Luke, chapter 22, verse 47. While Jesus was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. How he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. Some time ago, I was playing the board game Risk with some others. And for much of the game, it was fairly even. But then in one round, one of the other players began to lose. And he became quite agitated. He, he started saying things like, oh, you, you guys aren't following the rules. And I shouldn't be in this position. And, and it's not fair. But that didn't get him anywhere with the rest of us who were playing. And so eventually he just walked away. He left his pieces and he said, OK, I'm not playing anymore. Now, before the game, if you'd asked him, he would have said that in theory, yeah, he knew that losing was an option. If you'd have said, are you prepared to lose? He'd have said, oh, of course. But when it came to it, he wasn't ready to be a loser. Now, I guess board games don't matter that much to most of us. But the question is today, are we ready to be losers in following Jesus? Are we ready to be losers in following Jesus? Let me explain what I mean. We all want to be accepted and respected, don't we? Whether it's with family or friends or, or work colleagues or neighbours or whoever, we want to be thought of as normal normal people, as, as good people. And if you're a Christian, then you know that Jesus is good and you want others to see that and to know that too. And we want, don't we? We want, we want for people to see our faith in Jesus as, well, at the very least, reasonable. 
But we'd love for people to see it as good for society and even true and real because it is those things. And we want our church to have a good reputation in the community. And sometimes Jesus is seen as good. And sometimes his church is seen as valuable. And sometimes people become Christians. And we love that. We want Jesus, we want Jesus to be a winner. And we want to be winners along with him. But on the flip side of that, we don't want Jesus to be a loser. And we don't want to be losers with him either. We don't want Jesus to be thought of as, as bad, and we don't want his church to be thought of as dangerous. Now, it's worth remembering that we're not used to extremes of that in the UK. Becoming a Christian or, or speaking to a non-Christian about Jesus is very unlikely to get us either attacked or imprisoned. Things which could easily happen in some parts of the world, and maybe here in years to come too. Now we can thank God for that freedom we have, and we can and should pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who don't enjoy that same freedom. But for us, I think many of us fear being losers in following Jesus, not in terms of life and liberty, but yes, in terms of reputation. We don't want to be thought of as weird, do we? We don't want to be thought of as religious nuts or as small-minded bigots. And we don't want our faith in Jesus to make our relationships, well, difficult. I know I don't. So let's just say, maybe it's something like this. It could be, for example, your sister. Let's say your sister uh, respects your faith in Jesus um, thinks it's great that you're involved in a church. But one day you're talking and uh, it gets around to talking about Jesus and, and you mention something gently and respectfully, how you see Jesus as the true king of the world and that everyone needs to change their life to follow him. And then there's that moment where your sister suddenly realises that she's got you all wrong. She thought that your faith was just a kind of lifestyle choice. Like, you've got Jesus, great if that works for you. I've got yoga, it's whatever helps, isn't it? But now, she suddenly realises that you actually think that she's wrong not to follow Jesus, not to believe in him. That you think she needs to submit to him. She might not say, she might not say so much, but that you sense there's a distance between you. you. You sense the message, don't push your religion on me. Well, I wonder, have you experienced that kind of thing, that kind of moment, whether, whether it's with a friend or a colleague or whoever? And if we haven't, maybe it's because very often we just don't go there. We don't want to get into those kind of conversations we avoid them because we don't want to be losers for Jesus. The thing is, though, if we've been listening to Jesus and his teaching for any length of time, then we know that there are going to be times when he is thought of as a loser. And we know that there are going to be times when we are too, along with him. In Luke's Gospel, for instance, Jesus keeps on saying things like, 
Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and when they revile you and when they spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. And he says things like, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And he says, I've not come to give peace on earth, but rather division. We know, in theory, that following Jesus is going to mean being a loser with him. But knowing it doesn't mean that we're ready for it. Well, in today's Bible reading that we've heard in Luke's Gospel, we see that Jesus's closest friends weren't ready to be losers with him. But we're also going to see how, because of Jesus, we can be ready. So let's get into it again. We're in Luke chapter 22, verse 47. Uh, what's going on? Well, it's evening. Earlier, over a meal, Jesus has told his disciples that the opposition that he's facing is, is about to reach its most intense. Jesus said in verse 37 that he's going to be numbered with the transgressors, which means in part that the authorities are going to take him for a lawbreaker, as a rebel, as an outsider. And facing his darkest hour, Jesus has prayed. And having prayed to his father, he is ready for what's coming, even though he knows it means suffering, it means losing. And twice Jesus has urged his disciples to pray too, but they have failed to do so. They're bewildered, they're, they're sad, they're, they're afraid, they're confused, they're not ready. So when in our passage the disciples realise that Judas, one of their own number, has betrayed Jesus and that the crowd that is now approaching is here to, to take away their leader, it's no surprise that they react the way they do in verse 49. Lord, shall we strike with the sword? So instinctive, so immediate. And they don't wait for an answer. They're thinking, Jesus is under attack. We're under attack. We've got to defend ourselves. They weren't ready to be losers for Jesus. And so one of them lashes out and it says that he struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Well, I think that we can sometimes react like that too, can't we? Maybe not with actual swords, but when we feel threatened, we can easily strike out with angry words. And we may be tempted to do that. When our faith in Jesus is under attack, maybe it's a critical comment on Twitter. Maybe it's a sarcastic challenge from a colleague. And what we just naturally want to do is fight with words. We want, to, we want to get an even smarter reply in, or we want to win the argument. We want to show they're wrong, because we're not ready to be losers. But Jesus has prayed. And verse 51, he shouts, no more of this. And he touches that man's ear, and he heals him. Jesus, even when he's under attack, he doesn't strike, but heals See, Jesus knows it is God's will uh, in this hour for him to suffer, for him to lose. He knows that he is going to face the dark evil of the cross alone. And as he says to his captors at the end of verse 53, this is your hour and the power of darkness. 
Well, Jesus gets taken away to the high priest's house. And verse 54, Peter is following at a safe distance. But when a fire is lit in the courtyard, and Peter edges nearer and he sits down at the fire too to keep warm. But one of the servant girls who's there is, is staring at Peter in the light of the fire. And she says, verse 56, this man also was with him. But Peter denies it, saying, woman, I don't know him. We need to realise that for Peter to be connected with Jesus could have been really dangerous. Jesus is being held prisoner somewhere in this house. He is facing an unfair trial and possible death. We know he does go on to die. In just a moment, the guards could be called over and Peter could be arrested too. So a bit later, when someone else says to Peter, you also are one of them, Peter says, man, I'm not. And a third time, Peter was again recognised as being one of Jesus' disciples. And a third time he responds, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Peter's no longer lashing out with a sword. But the reason for his silence is the same as the reason for his sword earlier. He's keeping quiet about belonging to Jesus so that he is not numbered with the transgressors like Jesus is being. Just a few hours earlier, over supper, over dinner, Jesus had bold, uh, sorry, Peter had boldly said to Jesus, and this is in verse 33, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. But Peter did not know his own heart. I think we're tempted, aren't we, to put ourselves in Peter's place and to ask if I was in Peter's shoes, would I have denied Jesus? I know that I've asked myself that question before. But I now realise that, I don't know about you, I wouldn't have even been there around that fire. I would have run off with the rest of the disciples. And I know that because of the times that I shy away from speaking about Jesus. Even though I face nothing like the danger that Peter faces in this courtyard. Peter goes further in following Jesus than all the other, all the other disciples. He goes further than, than us. But even he is not willing, he's not ready to be a loser for Jesus. Well, let's pause, uh, let's hit pause on the story right there and, and, and rewind. Because we see in, in Luke's gospel, the disciples knew at some level that following Jesus meant suffering. They'd heard him say it enough, just like we saw earlier. If we've, if we've heard Jesus enough, we've heard it. They'd heard it. And three times in Luke's gospel before now, Jesus has told his disciples really clearly that he must suffer and die. The last time was in chapter 18, verse 31, which says, Jesus said to his disciples, See, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. 
and on the third day he will rise. Then it goes on to say about the disciples, they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. So they've heard the theory that, that following Jesus is going to mean losing, but they can't grasp it. And you know, I'm beginning to see that I am like them. I know at some level that, that following Jesus means being considered a loser by some. But I've realised more clearly as I've been studying this passage that I'm not all that ready to be a loser with Jesus. I don't want to suffer that social discomfort that could come when I speak about him. I wonder if you too see yourself reflected in the disciples, in their unreadiness to be losers for Jesus. Well, the good news is that later on with the disciples, there is a massive change. And so now we hit fast forward and we go forward to the book of Acts, the sequel to Luke's gospel. And we find in Acts 4, just weeks after Jesus has been arrested and, and, and after he's died, that, that his followers are in the temple and they're preaching boldly about him. The same religious leaders that arrested Jesus are now surrounding Peter and the apostles and they're greatly annoyed and they arrest them and they throw them in prison overnight. And the next day they haul the disciples before them. But there's no longer any hiding from Peter. Filled with the Holy Spirit, we're told, he boldly names Jesus, crucified and risen from the dead as the Lord of all. Well, the authorities, we're told in Acts 4, command them not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John say, and this is chapter 4, verse 20, we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. And, and it's not just in chapter 4 of Acts, but the whole book is, is chock full of this kind of boldness from the apostles in the face of opposition, in the face of disbelief, in the face of threats. Luke is showing us now, now they're ready to be losers for Jesus. And we see in Acts that that readiness goes hand in hand with prayer and with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The risen Lord Jesus had given his Holy Spirit to his followers on the day of Pentecost. And the disciples have finally learned to pray. Luke tells us, in fact, that they're devoted to prayer. And after that night in prison in Acts 4, they get straight back to the church and they all pray for boldness to speak about Jesus. Friends, if like me, you find yourself not ready to, to be bold in speaking for Jesus, not ready to be considered a loser for him. Well, we need the Holy Spirit who's already been given to us and how we need to pray as Jesus told the disciples and as he's told us. And that is something that we can do together in your small group or, or, or with a Christian friend. Say where the temptation is for you. We need to be saying to each other things like, you know, will you pray for me? I'd love to speak with whoever it is about the Lord Jesus. And I just haven't got around to it. And I know I'm really tempted to be afraid of what they'll think or how they'll respond. 
please would you pray with me for the right opportunity and pray that I'd have that boldness to speak gently, respectfully, but without fear. We need prayer and we need the Holy Spirit. But the main thing we need is actually Jesus himself. So let's get back to where we pressed pause in the story. And as we finish up, we'll read again in Luke chapter 22 from verse 60. So Peter has denied Jesus for the third time. And immediately the cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the cock crows, before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. Jesus had already predicted, already said uh, that that would happen. When, when Jesus said he was ready to suffer for Jesus, Jesus predicted what would happen. Let's hear the whole thing again from verse 31. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And this look from Jesus to Peter, he turns and looks at Peter after his denials. This look from Jesus brings all this back to Peter. And this look from Jesus, it's not a guilt trip. No, it's to strengthen him. And it's to strengthen us too. Because in that look, reminding Peter of what Jesus had already said. It's as if Jesus is saying to Peter and to us, if we trust him, you don't know how easily you can deny me. But I know you perfectly. And don't forget, you may have failed to pray. You may have denied me. But what's more important, I have prayed for you. And I've prayed for you so that even now you can keep trusting, you can keep following. And so Peter went out and wept bitterly, but knowing that Jesus had not given up on him. And friends, he's not given up on us either. And we'll see when we keep on reading in Luke that Jesus faces the dark evil of the cross alone. He had to face it alone. He alone will be counted as the transgressor, as the loser. And out of love, Jesus is, is ready to die even for us who find it so hard to be losers in following him. And in the end, that is what it is that changes Peter and the disciples. And that is what it is that can change us too. Let's have a moment of silence and respond to Jesus in our hearts.
Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, that you were ready to suffer and die for us. And so God, your father, raised you up to the highest place. Jesus, please help us to follow you. Amen.